Hey super friends, my name is Neil and this is episode 38 of the Get Your Comic On podcast. We're here fortnightly-ish to bring you a slice of comic book, film, TV and pop culture goodness from our studio to your speakers. From a new microphone no less. Uh, I am of course joined by my very own boy wonder himself, Martin. Say hello Martin. Hello Martin. How are you today? I'm okay. Oh sorry, I'm doing forceful voice. (laughs) Aggressive. How are you? Fine. (laughs) <laughs> You're fine. We've got a new setup, haven't we? We have. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. Uh, I am no longer talking to you from mere millimeters away from my microphone because I've realised that our microphones were recording at a hundred percent of twenty percent input. <laughs> so, go me for not being very technical with the microphones. But we've upgraded our little studio space, so we now have microphones on little extendable arms it's like it's like being in a real recording studio not just a spare room turned into a studio slash home office slash home office not the home office a home office oh no not that home office but i'm now back in my usual spot which means that i can see the whiteboard and i can ask you the question of what we're going to tell the lovely listeners about at home this week and i can say i don't know because one i can't see the whiteboard and two i didn't read the call sheet once again Listeners, Martin did not read the call sheet that I prepared and emailed him twice because the first time it didn't send. Uh, We are going to do a roundup of big news stories from the last couple of weeks. Then we're going to be reviewing Harley Quinn, the animated series from DC Universe, soon to be on HBO Max. I am going to review Wind, number one, which is the comic book I was telling you about last episode. We're going to be talking about Doom Patrol as well. Then I thought we'd talk about John Wick, which finally you have seen John Wick 1 and 2. I am yet to see 3, so 3 is next on the viewing list. And then we've also finished uh, The Umbrella Academy Season 1. Finally. Only a month before Season 2 streams on Netflix. So I thought we'd just talk about how we were feeling about that. That sound reasonable? Yeah, seems alright. Okay. Well, without further ado, on to the news. First up, DC Comics has announced that it is probably going to be skipping uh, San Diego Comic-Con this year, which is obviously not happening as a physical event. They are using the same weekend in July to do what they're calling Comic-Con at Home, which is a virtual convention. Instead, DC Comics are running what sounds like uh, an amazing event called DC Fandom, which is going to be taking place on August the 22nd, uh, which is a Saturday. It's going to be a global 24-hour event, so um, I'm going to guess time difference-wise, it's going to start for us on the Saturday evening and run overnight and finish on the Sunday evening, if that makes sense. But it's a 24-hour global event, and I will read you uh, the press release from DC that tells you all about what's going to be happening. Welcome to the DC Fandom, a mega 24-hour immersive virtual fan experience which brings the universe of DC to life and features the stars, filmmakers and creators behind its biggest films, TV series, games and comics. Join fans from all seven continents for the largest gathering of talent, announcements and content reveals in the history of DC. Save the date and prep your cosplay on Saturday, August 22nd, starting at 10am PDT, which, if I'm right, is 8 hours uh, behind. So 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, I think, in the afternoon. Uh, BST, which is what we are at the moment. 
Warner Brothers will welcome fans everywhere into the DC Fandome, a free virtual fan experience where no badge is required. Imagine all the superheroes and supervillains you've ever loved finally coming together in one place to celebrate DC's past, present and future. Accessible for 24 hours at dcfandome.com. The global event will immerse fans into the DC multiverse with new announcements from WB Games, film and TV and comics as well as unprecedented opportunities to hear from the casts and creators behind your favourite feature films, TV series, including... Ready? Ready. Aquaman. Ooh. The movie, so Aquaman 2. The Batman. Ooh. Batwoman. Ooh. Black Lightning. Ooh. Black Adam. Ooh. DC Superhero Girls, which is the, the kid-friendly animated series. Okay. Uh, and whole toy line and stuff. DC's Legends of Tomorrow, DC's Stargirl, Doom Patrol, The Flash, Harley Quinn, The Snyder Cut of Justice League, Lucifer, Pennyworth, Shazam, The Suicide Squad, Supergirl, Superman and Lois, Teen Titans Go, Titans, Watchmen, Young Justice Outsiders, and coming this fall to theatres worldwide, Wonder Woman 1984. The DC Fandom is the place to hear highly anticipated announcements and the latest news, see exclusive footage, and venture into themed worlds designed to entertain everyone from movie and TV supervans to gamers, readers, and to families and kids alike. I'm not going to read the rest of it. You can head over to our website, which is www.getyourcomicon.co.uk, and you can check out the full story on there. DC released a map of the virtual world of DC Fandom. Uh, there are several different zones. So the Hall of Heroes is the central base, and then jutting off from that will be the DC Kidsverse, which is going to be a kid-friendly zone. There's the Insiderverse that's going to go behind the scenes on all of the different areas of DC. The Funverse, which is full of games and other activities. The Watchverse, which is going to be where there'll be lots of panels and other interactive things for you to see and do. And the Uverse, which is all about you, the DC fan. So what do we think? Seems pretty, pretty intense. Like yeah, intense twenty four hours. That I know we're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to stay awake for twenty four hours. I'm just more than you know. Well, I can barely stay awake for eight hours. Never mind twenty four. So there was a follow up story to this that went out on I think Variety, which talked a little bit more about what the event's going to be itself. Uh, because obviously we don't really know. Like, is it going to be a website that you go onto and you just like click a panel to watch someone on Zoom, or how's it going to work? Uh, we haven't seen what it looks like, but. What they've said is that you will log in to a first-person view of a virtual exhibition center. So think like slightly sim style, but first-person view, um, and you will be able to walk around. So there'll be art exhibits that you can actually walk around at your own pace and view the artwork and exhibits that you can view. And they've said that panels won't necessarily just be videos for you to watch. They will be like 3D virtual models of the people. So it sounds like a massive undertaking for DC. Uh, I presume there'll be some level of su- suspending your disbelief as you watch it. Um, I can't imagine they've spent hours taking every member of DC, like Jeff Johns and Jim Lee, and scanning them into <laughs> 3D computers so that you can see a virtual model. You never know, maybe they have. I mean, um, there's not a lot else going on. It did say that you. it's not like... Um, 
you know, like the Star Trek Online game I've got on Xbox, where you can see every other player running around like mad. It's not going to be like that. You're not going to see all the other people. It'll be, it'll just be you walking around this virtual place and then taking part in the things you want to take part in. Um, by the way, you might hear a cat snoring on the desk. I don't know how sensitive the new microphones are. Uh, that's just Ollie joining in with his his ten cents on the on the story. Yeah, he's so enthralled by your. Uh, so um, James Gunn has confirmed that he and the cast of Suicide Squad will be there, uh, including Margot Robbie and everyone else. Um, the cast of Doom Patrol, I think, are involved. Titans, I'm not sure who's going to be there for Titans because they've not started filming yet. Um, there's going to be... Uh, Zack Snyder has confirmed that he will be there. All of the cast of Wonder Woman will be there because they'll be only a few weeks away from release now that that film has shifted. It's going to be a lot of talent there. It's also been pretty much confirmed that a new Batman game is going to be launched at that run as well, which is the game that's been teased for a long time. In fact, there may be two game announcements because Warner Brothers Montreal, who did Arkham Origins, not the rest of the Arkham Trilogy, are doing the new Batman game, and Rocksteady, who did the Arkham Trilogy, are doing a Suicide Squad game. Oh, that'd be interesting. And that's all but confirmed as well now. Hmm... Anything top of your list of things you'd like to see or do at the Fandom? Merchandise store for me. Uh, oh, I don't know. Anything Titans and Doom Patrol related, I'll be there. Anything about, what about the film side of things? What are you most excited to see from the films? Uh, curious to see a bit more about the Batman and how mm. that's going to look, because there's been some interesting stuff coming out about that. Hopefully they'll be back to filming by then. How much, do, were they nearly finished? No. no. I wouldn't have thought so. No. They'd been filming for maybe... Maybe a month? That's a long time, isn't it? They've probably got a month or so to go. Depends how intense the whole schedule is. We know that there'll be more footage from the new version of Justice League as well. There's been a clip from Justice League that was released by Jason Momoa on Instagram, which is that clip I showed you of um, Wonder Woman, not in costume, finding um, like a a temple that's got hieroglyphs of Darkseid, and then you saw Darkseid for the first time. So expect to see some more Justice League. Cool. Excited to see Wonder Woman. Hmm, finally. The film that keeps getting pushed back at the moment. Although I read a news story the other day that said it's been pushed back more times than um, Marvel's New Mutants, which I think is quite unfair. Because, wow. you know, one of those has had a very difficult production window and the other has been hit by COVID. I mean, there's not a lot you can do, really. you just got to roll with the punches. Mm. Roll with the punches. DC has just launched a new initiative today on the Fandome website. So if you head over to uh, dcfandome.com, they are asking for anyone and everyone to submit questions for the various different panels. So when you log on to the website, it will ask you which topic you wish to ask a question for. And there is a huge list. I won't read it out to you. Uh, It's many of the things that I just reeled off from the press release, but there's a few more in there. And then uh, it asks you if you want to ask a written question or you can send in a video question as well, and it encourages you to put cosplay on, do something DC-related in your video, and they will include uh, chosen ones in the in the panels on the day. So I submitted a little cheeky question to uh, to the makers of Harley Quinn and said, if you get to do a season three, um, are there any other members of the Bat family that you would like to introduce to the show? <coughs> Nightwing! Mm. I didn't do that last bit, but was that, was, that was what I was thinking. That'd be a bit weird. Did you, was it a video question? No, it was not a video question. It was just a written question. You should have done a video question in Harley cosplay. Oh, I don't know that I'd suit a Harley cosplay. You've got your hairs long enough for pigtails. That's, I could have pigtails. That's just pandemic hair for you. Who would you ask a question to? Here's a question. 
Who would you ask a question to? Oh, that's a bit meta. I want to ask a question about a question. Um, oh, I don't know. I'm not good at asking questions. I get too nervous. Well, remember, you're not actually physically going to be there asking a question. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> this is giving you the opportunity to ask any of them anything without having to stand at the microphone and do it in the moment. I don't know what I would ask. You'd be the, the opportunity now is, is too vast. Jeff Johns is on the list. Jim Lee's on the list. I could ask a question about anything. Oh, I don't know. You can ask Robert Pattinson questions. Um, I don't know if I'd want to. Who would be his perfect Robin? You can ask Zack Snyder questions. This will be the first time in a very long time that no one's asked him, when will we get to see the Snyder Cut? Although, to be fair, we don't have a premiere date, so maybe they will ask him, when will we see the Snyder Cut? But, you know. That's true. We could ask when we'll see the air cut. <sighs> oh, you went there, did you? You said I could ask a question. True. I'm asking a question. There's a lot of... Don't hate the question, hate the game. I'm not sure that that's a phrase. It is now. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of speculation that they're going to use this event to kind of tenuously suggest that everything DC is all part of the DC multiverse. Uh, so the concept would be that you could one day have, like, um, I don't know, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker go up against Kevin Conroy's animated Batman because they're all part of the multiverse. Which is just, I think, a nice way of saying everything's connected. doesn't mean that they actually beholden to anything. But it does kind of lend some credence to uh, our next news story. And that was a segue uh, to the news that Michael... Tenuous. Really? Well, it was a segue to the news that Michael Keaton is reportedly in talks to return to the role of Batman for Andy Machete's The Flash, which is due to start production later this year. How do we feel about Michael Keaton returning as Batman for the first time since 1992? 1992. God, I was only two. No, you weren't. You were three. Well, not all of us were 15 then. (sighs) I was seven. Actually. Well, that's very exciting. I mean, it was interesting because when you said to me he was 68, I thought, my God, he's probably a bit too old to play Batman. But then when you think of him in Homecoming, it was Homecoming? Yeah, Spider-Man yeah. Homecoming. I mean, he, you would never know. I mean, he was proper badass in that. Yeah. If I can say that word. You <laughs> you can. We're still child-friendly if you say the word ass. Oh, I've said it twice. Uh, so I'd be very excited to see him suit up and dust off the old Nike trainers. <laughs> so that's the rumour. The rumour is that you will get to see him suit up and that uh, Warner are looking to bring him in as the figurehead Batman for the DC, that part of the DC universe on film. Uh, it wouldn't impact on Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson would be another part of the multiverse. Uh, see, it's that multiverse phrase again coming into the story um, and that he would get a multi-picture deal that would mean that he was able to appear in a number of DC projects so he'd, he'd transition in in The Flash uh, taking over from Ben Affleck and then the biggest uh, talking point seems to be that we would then at some point in the near future see him mentoring an on-film Batgirl we know that Batgirl's been high on their um, agenda for quite some time with Joss Whedon originally working on it and then leaving so that's been in the offing for, what, four or five years now. So it'd be quite... And are we saying that 
he's the Batman from Justice League, or are we just go an old Flashpoint and be like, ah, it's fine? From what we understand, the idea of Flashpoint that was originally talked about for the Flash movie, that was then not part of the Flash movie, is now part of the Flash movie again. So Andy Muschietti, uh, who's the director of the two recent It remake films, um, has said that there are aspects of Flashpoint in his story. So I guess he's taken a stab at the script as well, and they've re- possibly rewritten it from where it was when... Um, the guy from Bones, whose name I can never remember, was writing it, potentially. Because uh, they those writers have now left. They're now not writing it or directing it. It's now the machetes. Uh, so that was machete, not machete. There's a difference. Um, it sounds like the idea is that Barry will go back in time to save his mum, and that when he returns to the present day, he will land in some kind of version of the DC universe where Michael Keaton is Batman. Okay, so the 89-verse. Potentially, yeah. Potentially. Which ties the whole thing back to Crisis, because we saw... Um... Ezra Miller. No, I was actually thinking about the 89-verse cameo. Oh, yeah, because we saw um, the reporter, Knox. That's it, Alexander. I could, it was his first name. I, could, I knew it began with an A, but I couldn't think what it is. Yeah, so we saw Alexander Knox when we went to the 89-verse. But yes, also, we saw Ezra Miller speak to Grant Gustin. And Grant was the one that explained the multiverse to Ezra. Ezra didn't know, his version of Barry Allen didn't know what the multiverse was. So essentially, if DC announced things the way that it seems like they're going to announce it, that moment is the beginning of the entire concept of what DC multimedia now is. So I wouldn't be entirely surprised if Grant Gustin doesn't get to appear in the Flash movie. Just then they would use that exact scene and if she's like, oh, drop. Yeah. And then not have to refilm some of the nor. There's nothing to say that the film doesn't pick up after Justice League. Oh, I mean, it might. I suppose they'll probably want to do a Flash origin because that's never been seen on film. Only, I mean, obviously it's been seen on TV, but it's not been seen in big screen. So I guess that you could do a. Here's how he becomes the Flash. He learns he can travel in time. He's running around trying to get back, thinking he's going to be able to save his mum. Accidentally somehow manages to traverse the multiverse, meets another Flash. Or meets another Flash by accident because he runs too fast. Gives him the idea to run back in time. Saves his mum. Meets Michael Keaton. He might meet other Flashes as well. Plenty of other Flashes. That'd be exciting. Do you think but this is the thingy to come back? What's his name? John Wesley Ship. John Wesley Ship. He is the Flash. He is the Flash. I mean, we know that he's more than willing to play that character again, having played him in Crisis and, and several episodes of The Flash. Did I read something or did I hear a vicious rumour that Michelle Pfeiffer was coming back as There well? is now a rumour that Michelle Pfeiffer is being courted to come back as Catwoman, as, or Selina Kyle. But remember, there was also the set photo from Crisis on Infinite Earths that was a newspaper with Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne on the cover of the newspaper saying Bruce Wayne marries Selina Kyle. Oh, yeah. Oh, interesting. That would be good. So, I mean, you could easily put two and two together and equal about five million at this point because the opportunities and the... the it's just completely endless what they could do with it at this point but yeah well watch this space hmm exactly it's going to be interesting watch this multiverse (laughs) August the 22nd I think a lot more is going to become clear on August the 22nd because as I just read out to you the Flash movie has a panel of some kind at DC Fandom there is another rumour that's going around as of the last couple of days which is that if talks with Michael Keaton fall through because they are still only talks there's no official casting um 
that they're going to go after Christian Bale to see if they can coax him back. But he's made it very clear over the years that he would only really want to play Batman if Christopher Nolan was involved. And he's not exactly a big franchise kind of guy. He's never been in more than sort of this series as playing the same character. I don't really want to see him back. Not in a bad way. No, not in a bad way at all. They gave him an ending. His yeah. his Batman had an ending, so it wouldn't quite feel right to do it. It would feel like they would undo Christopher Nolan's work to bring him back into it. And then I think the other thing is that he's um, he's cast in the new Thor film over at Marvel. Not that I'm suggesting you can't do Marvel in DC, because James Gunn shows that you can. But that film's going to be going into production at a similar time to The Flash, so it would kind of it would either mean that they'd have to hold The Flash for him to do another film first, and we've been waiting long enough for The Flash as it is. Not that I want them to rush it out because it should be good, but I just I don't think that he's the right Batman. I think Michael Keaton is the right Batman. George Clooney is not the right Batman to bring back. No, you can't really bring back Val Kilmer. No, bless him. He's got to focus on his health. Michael Keaton is the only Batman that that could come back. Although Batfleck has been trending on Twitter, so yeah, there is Batfleck. I mean, I'm I'm holding out a bit of hope here. Oh, really? It's a strange world we're living in. Things are happening that you'd never think were going to happen. So Ben Affleck returning as Batman could happen? Uh, you know, I, I say, don't never see it say happening, never. but... Uh, would you, if we had had this conversation two three months ago. ago, when I said to you, Michael Keaton's coming back, you'd be like, no, he's, <laughs> no, no. he's not coming He's back. an old it's man. Never I wouldn't have said he was an old man. He's got his slippers on. He's chilling out. He's not going to put the Nikes back on. But here we are. For the uninitiated, this the, the Nike talk is about the fact that his costume in Batman 89 doesn't have boots. It actually has Nike trainers that then have shields over the top. Shields. Sorry, went to a Batmobile place. We'll keep you posted on that one. Hopefully at some point, fairly soon, probably August the 22nd, because <laughs> that is the, the deadline for everything, uh, we'll get some news. Maybe they'll do a flash panel and Ezra will be chatting away and they'll say, do you know what? It's time we bring in some of the other cast and, you know, Maybe we'll get to see Kirsi Clemens come back as Iris, who we've not actually seen as Iris yet, but we will do in the Snyder Cut. And then they'll be like, oh, is there anybody else that we want to introduce from the cast of this film? Boom, Gal Gadot. Boom, Henry Cavill. Boom, Michael Keaton. That's a lot of booms. And I suppose the, these will be virtual panels, so they don't have to be in the same room. Exactly. It's very easy to get these people, in air quotes, together without actually having them together. Because I've got nowhere else to be. No, <laughs> exactly. They're all sitting at home waiting for this to happen. I just hope that Michael Keaton's on board with it. I'm sure he will be. I'll, I'll, I'll speak to him. Have a word. Have a word. Like old Keats. <laughs> on to the next story. There is actually more DC news, but I want to veer away from DC news for just a second to talk about something else. Boom. And I want to talk about Wind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I don't mean what happens when you've had too much cabbage. Peppermint tea is my recommendation for the peppermint tea. I want to talk about Wind, the comic book. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna review it in in a few minutes. Uh, but before that, I just wanted to talk about um, the fact that Wind number one has sold out and is going back for a second printing. Uh, I, I again, I'm gonna I'm gonna review it in a minute, so I don't want to say too much. Um, but I had a feeling this was going to be something that I would enjoy, and it turned out that it was. And then Boom Studios uh, dropped over a press release which says, Boom Studios has today announced that Wind number 1, the premiere issue of the surprise original series from award-winning superstars James Tynion IV and artist Michael Dialinas, 
with letterer Aditya Bidikar has sold out at distributor level. Exclamation mark. In response to the overwhelming support from retailers and fans, Boom Studios has announced that Wind number one, the second printing, will be available in July 2020 and will feature new cover art by superstar artist George Corona, who uh, is the artist on a series called Middle West. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to show you the artwork right now. I'm holding it up. Ooh. Yes, it's a really nice cover. Um, yeah. So I just thought it was a nice little news story that there there is a a comic book out there that's not a huge franchise book that's not DC, that's not Marvel, that is selling really well with fans and um, doing well enough that it's going back for multiple printings. So if you've not been able to get hands... If you've not been able to get your hands on a copy uh, physically from a comic book store, then fear not, it will be back on the shelves in July featuring some really nice cover art. But you can also pick it up digitally at the moment as well. So get your hands on a bit of wind. (laughs) Yes, you could get your hands on a bit of wind. Again, what happens when you have too much cabbage? What's next in the news? I searched long and hard for stories that were not related to Warner Brothers and DC. But um, I have to admit, and you know, I've had this conversation with a number of people over the last few weeks, Marvel has been very, very quiet during uh, during lockdown. They, they don't really have anything in production, obviously... Black Widow got pushed back and they've been moving around their release schedule a little bit while they deal with things. Uh, we got we could talk about some Disney Plus news. They've got lots of big things coming up on there. So this Friday sees the release of the Hamilton musical, which is going to be on there. I've recommended it because it was a musical I actually enjoyed. Which I'm shocked at because halfway through you said to me, what's going on? Why are they singing? I'm sure I wouldn't musical. have said, why are they singing? You I'm did. not that much of a Luddite when it comes to musicals. You said, do they stop singing? Why aren't they talking? It's a musical. Be quiet. Well, that drops on Disney Plus on uh, on Friday. And we just posted up a new trailer for Disney Plus's exclusive Muppet show, Muppets Now, which looks hilarious, which also comes in July. I'm excited about that. And I'm devastated that Kermit and Miss Piggy aren't together anymore. <laughs> when did that the, happen? Is that because of the YouTube video you watched of them on a talk show announcing their split? Yeah. <laughs> and I also couldn't work out where the hand was. That's camera trickery for you. But you could see all the way around them and everything. Well, you could also see the sticks. Well, I mean, but that's different. I mean, how is his wee face moving? <laughs> it's because he's real. Yeah, I think he is, apart from his arms. <laughs> oh, dear. So the last thing that I had on the news stories for today was uh, the release of the first trailer for, funnily enough, DC and Warner Brothers' upcoming animated movie, Superman, Man of Tomorrow. This is the first film which is being released uh, following Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Uh, If that's a film that you haven't already seen, then uh, where have you been? Because you need to see it. So I would recommend that you go and watch it ASAP because it is um, bloody brilliant. And listen to uh, one of our previous podcasts where we interviewed cast members Jason O'Mara, who plays Batman, uh, interviewed by myself, and the writer Ernie Altbacker, and did am I right in thinking? Did you shamelessly flirt with someone for around twenty minutes over over Skype? I did not shamelessly in what's flirt. loosely called an interview. I didn't shamelessly flirt with anyone. Rude. I had a constructive conversation with a mate. Who was this person? It was Matt Ryan. It was Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. I'm going about Yorkshire there. Constantine himself. Yes. So you can listen to our interviews with Batman uh, and Constantine and the writer of the film in a previous podcast. So, Superman, Man of Tomorrow, new cast, 
you have uh, there's Darren Chris, who you will know from Glee as Superman. You've got Alexandra Daddario as Lois Lane, Ryan Hurst as Lobo, Zachary Quinto as Lex Luthor, which I'm really looking forward to hearing. Bellamy Young as Martha Kent, and Neil Flynn, the dad from the middle, as uh, Jonathan Kent. Then Brett Dalton as Parasite, and oh, Eugene Bird from Bones as Ron Troop. They've just announced that the film is going to be releasing in September on uh, DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K, and it hits... Uh, digital platforms on August the 23rd, I think it is, and you can pre-order your copies at the usual places now, where all good DVDs and digital movies are sold. Wherever that may be these days. I just wanted to know on this one what you thought of this trailer, because I think that you and I have some slightly different views on it. I wasn't mad about it. What are you not mad about? I don't know, I wasn't loving the animation style. Okay, so this is this is a brand new animation style. We don't know if this is going to be another continuity, like the Justice League movies that have just ended, or if this will be one of the more one-offs that do sometimes veer from the normal style. So we're in slightly unsure ground at the moment as to what's happening, because we're in this sort of transitionary period. It is quite different. I think it's very, very clean in terms of an animation style. I think the, if you look at Justice League Dark and that continuity... There's a little bit more of a almost hand animated style to it. It's a little bit more papery. There's texture to it, if that makes sense. Yes. Whereas I feel like this is very, very clean colours. There's a little bit less depth with texture. It's more use of shadows and I just think very modern and very contemporary and very clean. Yes. I prefer a bit more textured and dirty <laughs> we've got we've gone into some places of uh just trying to an- analogize the situation which i don't think is a word thick lines as well i think the black lines around you know, you know the way you would draw if you were drawing with a pencil i i feel like the older films had a slightly more thin texture and this has a slightly more blocky texture to it in terms of some of the line work make sense yeah sure I'm going to have to do some sort of visual cues here on my iPad to try and, to try and show it. I'm just I, trying to... I know what you mean. It, it, it looks different. Yes. I'm trying to understand what about the difference it is that you're not so keen on. Or is it just that you are not a fan of change? Well, there's probably that as well, to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't like that it's too clean and it's too different. <laughs> okay. Did you, do you feel differently about it having seen the trailer from when we only had seen stills previously? before because we'd seen a couple of stills from it before we got to see the trailer no <laughs> okay then <laughs> so it's just it's just a no i don't like change from you no okay yeah sorry it's just just no well i'm not allowing you to interview darren chris if the opportunity comes up well i couldn't do that anyway i'd be too nervous matt ryan was bad enough i'm interested to hear zachary quinto as uh lex luther though that could be a really interesting take on lex luther going to be interesting to see how they pitch this slightly differently to the way Superman and Lex were in the last continuity. We're obviously stepping back in time. We're going to early Superman days and very early in their relationship and the the dynamic between the two of them. Looks like we're going to see uh, slightly more... Well, actually, I was going to say slightly more hands-on Lois Lane, but you can't really get much more hands-on than 
practically being a member of the Suicide Squad as she was in Justice League Dark. This looks like a a different kind of strength of character. This the last Lois was kind of bullshy. This one is more ballsy. I'm really on an analogy trip this evening. I don't evening. think there's much of a difference. Oh, when? there is. It's very subtle, but it's there. Oh, okay. When's it out? Uh, August 23rd on uh, digital and early September on DVD and Blu-ray. You haven't asked me why I like it. You've, you've, just, just... you've just told us you like it because she's ballsy, not bullshit. You like the thin lines, not the thick lines, and a pencil or something. And it's clean and... Zachary Have we gone Quinto. to a place that I need to just move on to the next thing now? Yeah. Is that what you're trying to tell me? I'm telling you to sense, to sense the room. Read the room. <laughs> it's a very small room and there's only you and I in it. Yeah. You've put the cat to sleep. Have I? Oh dear. Okay. <laughs> That's it for the news this week. We uh, we will hopefully have some more stories to talk about in the next one. We know that Hollywood uh, is starting to pick things back up again. So uh, Jurassic World, Not I didn't feel this was particularly newsworthy because there's not much to say about it, but Jurassic World Dominion, which is the third of the Jurassic World films, is starting filming again next week here in London. So hopefully Batman will go back to work also here in the UK very, very soon and we'll start having a bit of a trickle of more things coming through. Um, one last thing that I did just remember, actually, and this isn't one for discussion, it's just of note for people that are listening, because I know there's fans out there. Uh, Lucifer has officially now announced that it's been picked up for a sixth and final season. So the fifth and final season is now the fifth season, and the sixth season is the sixth and final season. Makes sense. They wanted to get to a 666 place, yeah. so uh, Netflix has started doing some quite ingenious advertising already, even though season five isn't out, uh, doing 666, one last go kind of thing. So that's that's really good news for them. Uh, they thought they were coming to an end, I guess, slightly prematurely, and they've been able to make it work, which is really nice. It's nice to see that Netflix is open to doing that with properties that it knows are really popular. Are they going to release it on the 6th of June? Maybe. At 6 o'clock. <laughs> and six minutes past. And six seconds. <laughs> Too many sixes. On to the review section. We've got a lot to rattle through on the uh, on the reviews this week. The big one that I wanted to talk about was Harley Quinn, the animated series. So Harley Quinn is a uh, DC Universe... Well, actually, plans have changed since I wrote my notes. Uh, Harley Quinn was a DC Universe exclusive in the US, but is now going to be coming to HBO Max in the very near future as well. That's just been announced in the newsletter from, from the people at HBO. So that's I'm, we don't know if it's going to be season one, season one and two... Uh, it just all it says is Harley Quinn coming soon to HBO Max. So a bit more of sharing content between Warner Brothers platforms. Here in the UK, you can watch Harley Quinn on E4. It airs on Thursday nights. Uh, I normally post up something on Instagram to say which episode is airing, but E4 went and done me wrong and have started airing it in double bills. So I'm now episodes behind because they started airing them in doubles. So I think there's only a couple of episodes left in season one before it's over. And they haven't confirmed yet when they're going to air or if they're going to air season two. You can also pick it up on iTunes here in the UK because it's uh, it, Channel 4 shows do the, the weekly pass thing. So you can pay for the full season now and as each episode airs they add it on to iTunes. It's also available on iTunes in America I believe and you can pick it up on Blu-ray. Not Blu-ray actually, sorry. That's the crying shame here. You can pick it up on DVD only in America as well. Oh. Yeah, they didn't release it on Blu-ray for some reason, only on DVD. That's a crying shame. 
Exactly. So we've had 26 episodes so far, 213 episode blocks. We have seen everyone. Uh, what do you think of this show? It was alright. I feel like you really enjoyed this during season one. And I feel like you lost it somewhere in season two. But I don't know where, because you've not been very vocal about it. No, I don't know either. I just feel I don't know. I really like series. Well, I like series one up until a certain point. Okay, so what point do you feel like you lost it in season one? I don't know. I think I had a strong start of being so different with the violence and the yep. swearing and the blood and the gore. Yep. And then it sort of went to a more serious place. Okay. And then I kind of lost it a little bit. I mean, I still enjoy it. Yeah. But it's not something that I was rushed to watch. Okay. Whereas I feel like I've rushed to watch it every Friday as the episodes have come out. So let's talk about season one. Storyline in season one was very much about Harley moving on from the Joker. So the pilot episode was the breakup. And then you very much get a few weeks of her striking out on her own, trying to figure out who she is, forming the crew, bringing in the supporting cast, who I think are excellent. And then it moves on to kind of how she deals with that and ultimately bringing it back around to a confrontation with the Joker. And then season two went to more of a no man's land place to begin with. We had Gotham in ruins based on what had happened in the season one finale. And then it began to focus more on the relationship between Harley and Ivy, which is where it circled back around to in the finale. So where I'm just trying to figure out where it became a bit more serious in season one. I, I think the pilot was a very, very strong opening and had, and even that episode itself had a very strong opening within it as well. Uh, the scene on the boat, you had Har some great play between Joker and Harley. You had them melting the faces off all the men on that boat and then him dumping her and leaving her behind so that he could escape. It set quite a precedent for what was going to be a really strong show. I think there were a couple of episodes in season one which did, for me, go a bit too far. So the episode where Clayface lost his hand and Jim Gordon became best friends with the hand... Yeah, that was a bit weird, but I wouldn't, yeah. That one took it too far for me, and I struggled with that one. There have been, a, I've not I've not loved every single episode. There have been times where I've wondered what on earth I was watching, and it's not been quite what I was hoping it was going to be. But overall, I've really enjoyed it. And that, that in season one for me was it. The whole best friend with the hand. I struggled overall with Jim Gordon in the show. I felt like he redeemed himself a bit in season two with bringing in Barbara. But in season one, I definitely had issues with his character yeah I mean I couldn't pinpoint it for you no no I don't know it's just like oh yeah okay I'll watch it if it's on but I wouldn't put it on purposely who's been your favourite member of the cast so you've got uh, <coughs> Kaylee Kuroko as Harley Quinn Lake Bell as Poison Ivy Alan Tudyk as uh, Take Your Pick Clayface and uh, and Joker being the main ones. You've got Ron, Ron Funches as King Shark and Tony Hale as Dr. Psycho. Then you also had uh, Psy, the, um, the landlord, who ends up kind of part of the team. And then you... I'm forgetting the name of the plant. Frank, the plant, who was, I think, less focused on in season two than he was in season one, which is a shame because he was a bit of a fan favourite character. Uh, oh, and let's not forget Matt Oberg, who plays uh, Kite Man, who is rather a controversial figure in uh, in this show. Yeah, I don't really have a favourite. I mean, anything Alan Tudyk, probably. 
Because I just I'd quite like Alan Tudyk. How do you feel about his Joker? Actually, that's he's a, quite a good. That's Joker. a good talking point. Yeah, I think he's quite a good Joker. He does a good laugh. He does. He does a very good maniacal laugh. Yeah, he does a good clay face. I do like his clay face. It's interesting to see Clayface portrayed slightly differently because I don't feel like I've seen him portrayed this way before. It's nice that they've taken an aspect of his character that's true, so the actor, and then sort of turned it up to 11. Yeah. Uh, who was he? Okay, this may stray slightly into season two territory as well, but who's been your favourite Clayface role? Oh, God, I've no idea. I couldn't tell you. I didn't pay that much attention. Oh, it's got to be Stephanie from Gotham U in season two. Oh. <laughs> For me. She was hilarious. The way he, uh, the way he committed to each of his characters that he was playing was, uh, was I think a genius bit of writing on behalf of uh, the the showrunners. I did like the last episode when he was trying to play up to Tim Burton. And then it turned out it was like Steve or something. George, I think it was George. George. Uh, yes, we were jumping slightly ahead to talk about season two, but um, I agree. Alan Tudyk is excellent, and they've used him to the max in this. He's doing well out of DC Universe, given that he's obviously also in Doom Patrol. That will we see him in season two? I hope so. Hmm. Yes. Uh, so actually, okay. If you don't have a favourite amongst the cast, is there anybody that you felt was a bit of a weak spot within the cast? Oh, was there a massive fan of the landlord? Sorry. Yeah. I just found it all a bit too out there. I, I don't know much about his character from comic books, but once again, another moment in season one where I felt. I lost it slightly was Harley Quinn Highway which isn't necessarily a bad episode I just didn't quite understand and again maybe it's my grasp on an adult cartoon series adult comedy cartoon series but for a show that felt like it had quite a grounded-ish sort of Gotham with fantastical comedy within it I felt like a giant roller coaster motorway thing was almost a little step too far well you've just got to suspend all belief really haven't you it's... some things just don't need explaining in a, an animation world I do think it's been really funny though I think it's been really funny throughout but one thing that has surprised me about it, it was the amount of character and the amount of emotion that was underneath it I felt what my expectations were going to be going into the show was an adult comedy obviously. So I expected swearing, I expected violence, and I expected a lot of Harleyisms. What I hadn't expected would be to really like Harley and to really like Clayface or King Shark, uh, lesser extent Dr. Psycho, although him calling Wonder Woman a um, bleep was uh, quite funny, to be fair. Uh, I did like the way they wrote him in. And yet I found myself caring for quite a lot of the characters. Yeah, I was shocked at the level of emotional investment that we're going to put into the characters. Yeah, and that was one thing which I think was really strong throughout both seasons was the amount of character development that went in there and not just to Harley and then not just to Harley and Ivy but you had uh, you had Clayface who went through an arc of some kind. You had Psycho who went through an arc although albeit ending up a villain... King Shark had quite an arc as well, and it'll be interesting if they get a season three to see what happens with him and his wife. Oh, yeah, Mrs. Shark. Yeah, whether there'll be sharklings in the offing. Or any baby sharks. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I just wrote a piece that's up on our website now about why I think DC Universe um, and 
maybe HBO Max now that they're sharing it should pick the show up for a third season because uh, in in amongst all of that emotional kind of I was going to say underlay and then I started laughing in my head because I was thinking of Speedy Gonzales uh, underneath all of that humour and all of the comic book action I do think they told a really important story for Harley and Ivy and the way it was represented and I, I, so this this is what I spoke about in in the piece that you can read over on the website now but I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of fans of this show over the last few weeks because we've been we've kind of been the website that's premiered the promo photos every week and the synopsis for each episode and through talking to a lot of fans I've realised that a, a lot really wanted Harley and Ivy to be together from day dot from the beginning and just have them be a couple and see what that's like but maybe it's because I'm a little bit older and a little bit more worldly weary, but I have enjoyed watching the journey of those two characters from, in theory, when they first met in the flashback episode in season two, but from where they are in season one as friends all the way through to where they are at the end of that finale, where they finally potentially are now a couple. I think that's been a very interesting journey to watch especially in the setting of, of what is ostensibly a comedy series. Yeah, I mean, it was an intro. I mean, I, I think I would have preferred to have seen it this way. I think if it was episode one and they were together straight away, where would they have gone with it? Yeah, and I think there's places to go with it now because they have an opportunity to portray a same-sex couple and not necessarily immediately break them up or throw something at them to break them up. When you think about certain, like, when you think about couples on TV, if you think, like, Ross and Rachel, which I realise is a bit left field, but, you know, I'm a Warner Brothers kind of guy, a long time was spent in sort of the early season of Friends, like season one, two, on the will they, won't they, he likes her, she likes him, it never quite works out because they're always with someone else. And then they got together, and you look back on it and think, oh, it was so nice when they were together, and then... They had the breakup and the we were on a break thing. But when you watch it now, or if you look, if you were to read about the kind of episode orders of things, you realise that they're probably not together for very long before they immediately start throwing roadblocks at them. And if you look at something like Bones, probably to a lesser extent, they didn't do years of will they, won't they? It was a joke. Oh, you're a couple. No, we're not. Oh, actually, we maybe have feelings for each other. Oh, we've had a baby. Now we're together. And then the odd roadblock thrown at them after that, like his gambling addiction and things like that. But if you look at typical TV couples, they're not together for very long. Willow and Tara in Buffy is a good example. A very strong same-sex couple, one of the first female same-sex couples on, on TV. Not actually together for that long before they use her addiction to break them up. Yeah. The way that TV works is it so often puts a couple together and then throws things at them. Think about like Dawson's Creek. How long were the big power couple together before they were then broken up? Or any couple on that kind of show together before they break up? So if if Harley has prided itself on doing something different this far, then do more episodes and have them be a couple and have them, as a couple, be fighting together against something. Similar, actually, and I made this um, connection... In again in the piece on the website but Sarah and Ava on Legends of Tomorrow they don't constantly try and break them up they're just together and it's an aspect of the story I just I think there's something there that could be really interesting and different to see 
What would you sorry if if there was to be a season three? What would you like to see? Uh, Did I just do that thing where I spent a really long time explaining something? Yeah, I feel like I was in like a film studies class. I've never been in a film studies class. That was I, what it was like. That's I can't imagine that's what it'd be like. Okay, sorry. What would you like to see in a, in a particular potential season three? I have no idea. I mean, <laughs> just had a history of power couples and t- and TV and film. I don't know. I don't mind. I'm open. Okay. I like to see some more characters. Yes. I'd like you, to see um, some animation. What I what you just made me think of was the episode in season two. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, like in The Simpsons, where they do like go to the comic book shop and somebody really geeky would be like, uh, in episode three hundred five, uh, why did the Klingon not have the forehead? Uh, so the episode in season it's a very two, valid question. It I is mean. a very valid question. Uh, the episode in season two that didn't have Harley or Ivy or any of the main cast in it, but just focused on Batman and Batgirl. What did you think of that one? And would did that? make you think actually Batman could work at this kind of setting as well I'm now interested to see what an adult comedy with the Bat family would be like no okay it did for me yeah I mean it would no no I don't I don't no it would just be like Brave and the Bold but for adults but poor Batman couldn't pick up his socky walkies because he was he was all ill after the falling under a tower I think that I mean there's only so many jokes you'd like that you can make though isn't there I suppose. I guess it works better with a character like Harley because she is a comical character in general. Yeah, you've got to have that juxtaposition. Well, hey, thank you, film student. Student becomes the teacher. Well, on the topic of Brave and the Bold, I think it was the right idea to bring Diedrich Bader in as Batman for this. You know, the go-to would be, oh, it's Batman, let's bring in Kevin Conroy, particularly as it's animation. But actually, Diedrich Bader is the right kind of Batman for this because that Brave and the Bold Batman is like the, the kid-friendly version, I think. I don't think Kevin Conroy would work. He's too serious. <laughs> You need that Brave and the Bold Music Meister The Music Meister Sings a song that we all love to hear Sing for me, Canary Ah. That's plenty Yes, that's plenty Although That might sound beautiful on this new microphone It's not a magic microphone Uh, Season 2 how did you feel about that story arc in season two then? Uh, the slightly adapting No Man's Land, the idea of the villains having the different zones and them overcoming that. What did you think of season two? Uh, it, yeah, it was all right. <laughs> like getting blood from a stone, super friends. Well, I told you. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I wouldn't rush to watch it again. Which was Okay, so which of the two blocks the of 13 episodes then, which was your favourite? The, the first half or the second half? I couldn't tell the difference between the two of them, I'll be honest That's probably me. not a bad thing, because they were produced as a 26-episode block and then split later on, so... Yeah, I felt as one cohesive story to me. Ooh, okay. Was there a break? I don't remember there being a break. Uh, it was only about six weeks in between the first oh. batch of episodes and the second batch. I don't remember the break. <laughs> you were asleep, maybe. I think it was COVID break. I mean, to be fair, it was between season one and two that we got press access to the Warner Brothers studio. So we kind of had a slightly lesser gap and we had a batch of episodes to watch early on. So we did get it slightly broken up differently than, than it would have been. Yeah, I don't I don't see it in my mind as two blocks. It's always just been yeah. our series. I was why I was kind of surprised that they released it on DVD as 13 episodes. I thought they would have waited and done the full 26 uh, so maybe there'll be a Blu-ray release down the line now that there's 26 episodes out there. It's maybe a bit more financially viable to do it that way. Okay, so uh, I, I'm going to ask you this question anyway, but anything, any sort of highlight moments from these 26 episodes then? 
Alan Tudyk. <laughs> Okie dokie. Anything with the Tudyk, because he's funny. And he does a good character. Fair enough. What about you? What are your highlights? Short. Explanation. One highlight. Probably the Batman episode. I wouldn't say that's like my biggest highlight, but that's the one that springs to mind because I just hadn't expected that episode to work as well as it did. I also really like Kaylee Kawoko as Harley Quinn. She does a mean Harley Quinn. I think she had the right idea by not trying to do an impression of anybody else's Harley Quinn and also not trying to do a full-on New York accent all the way through. There was an interview clip with her, and I feel like I've spoken about this before, where she said um, she knows that her voice is quite distinct, so instead of trying to cover it up, she just lent into her own voice and amped it up a bit, and I think that was the right idea. She does have a very distinct voice. Yeah. Uh, Ironically, though, I think her sister has a very similar voice, so I slightly struggle with her sister voicing Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, because I think she sounds like Kaylee. I would never have known you'll okay well we'll have to go back to an episode with her in it and i think you'll if now that you know you'll pick up on it because i i struggle to be able to tell the difference between the two of them a little bit do you know what they need andrea romano (laughs) i'm not going to ask you to score it because um that's 26 episodes that you'd need to score uh exactly seven you can read all of my reviews of each and every episode for the entire of the two seasons up on the website now. Uh, actually, if you go to getyourcomicon.co.uk forward slash Harley Quinn, there's a little episode guide there for you and everything. Exactly ready and waiting. Just before we move on to the next topic, I asked uh, you guys out there in, in social media land to tell us if there was anything that you wanted us to talk about with this show or any particular questions that you wanted us to discuss. Um and we we actually had 250 replies to that. Oh, you're not reading them all, are you? Uh, well, I can, because 80% of them just say season three, or will there be a season three, or can you tell us when season three will happen? Uh, the answer to all those questions is, uh, we're not sure, we think there will be, and it will likely be announced on August the 22nd at DC Fandom. Uh, lots of the other questions were, who are your favourite characters, which we've covered? What have been your favourite moments, again, which we've covered? Um, thoughts on the abandonment and killing off of certain characters? How did you feel about them killing off Penguin and Mr Freeze? Um, I, mean, I was a bit shocked. I liked that it made it unpredictable. Yeah, uh, it, I like that. Go with that. Yeah, just because I, when you watch a show that adapts a comic book arc from a comic book, you kind of know what's going to happen. So you go, it's like Batman Hush, the film. You go into it thinking, ooh, how are they going to do Hush? Whereas when they do something like this, which is totally off-canon, you're like, oh my god, I don't know what can happen next. No one is safe. So I, I really I really liked that. Lots of people think that we make the show. So we've been asked quite a lot if we'd always planned on making Harley and Ivy a couple. Uh, no, we don't make it. It's a terrible strain on my wrists. The show? Yeah. Just stipulating that you're not saying you never wanted to make them a couple oh no i mean the animation very good i don't make no i don't make yeah so lots of people ask us about that um when is season three i want season three what do you think about season three is it going to be season three season three season three thank you to the 250 of you that replied uh, i wish i could tell you when season three will be but I, i'm telling you watch this space august the 22nd dc will have news for you at dc fandom Okay, next up we're throwing over to me for comic book review and I'm going to tell you about Wind number one because I just can't stop banging on about this because it's just, it's it's quite touching and it's quite magical. 
Uh, so uh, you already know who writes it and who draws it because we've just been talking about the fact that this issue has already sold out and gone back for second printing. But in case you skipped ahead to the review, uh, Wind Number 1 is written by James Tynion IV and has artwork by Michael Diolinus. Now, you can read my full review over on the website, www.getyourcomicon.co.uk, but basically what I said about this one was that anyone who knows me will know that although I play D&D, when it comes to comics, I'm pretty much an out-and-out superhero fan. That's pretty much fair to say, isn't it? Yep. My subscriptions read like a who's who of DC, Marvel, and Boom heavy hitters, uh, with the odd kind of random curveballs thrown in there, but generally, I'm, I'm you know, capes and... Capes and... Cowls. Cowls. <laughs> uh... But when I heard that James Tynion was doing this, I thought, okay, this sounds kind of interesting. It's going to appeal to the D&D player within me. And uh, so it's not going to be completely out of my comfort zone, but it's going to be out of my kind of reading comfort zone, as it were. And so I was intrigued to see what Tynion could do with, um, in fact, I said in my review, what magic, literally, he could do with an original property. And lo and behold, it's excellent. It's a really cool opener. It doesn't spend too much time on world building it feels like you're jumping into a world that already has existed for years and you're just reading something new that's set within it the characters are all really likable wind is a really great lead there's clearly some stories to tell there about uh sociological issues there's a lot of uh racism homophobia and things like that that are bubbling underneath the surface in this uh this pipe world that he lives in and tiny is going to be able to tell some really important sociological stories through it uh, but in this first issue we're just kind of loosely being introduced to to this kind of already fully formed world and the characters that, that are living within it you get the beginnings of some interesting stories so uh wind is um is some kind of half breed with his cute little pointy ears that he has to hide because pipe town is uh it's a human-based world and they, d- they don't like outsiders which is where the racial tension comes into it he has a kind of unrequited love for a local gardener but the gardener himself also seems to be kind of in a relationship with the local prince but the prince has something else that's going on behind the scenes that's going to tie into some of the magic of the sh- of the of the show this isn't a tv show neil it might play out like it in my head but it's a comic book um there's just there's a lot that tiny is able to pack into the script of this first issue but you don't feel like you're reading something that is particularly heavy. It feels very, very light and very airy, and that's amplified by Michael Dialinus's artwork. Something, do you feel the same? When I think sort of, I keep saying D&D, but you know what I mean? That kind of dragons, swords, sorcery, magic type read. Fantasy. Yeah, fantasy. <laughs> that's a good word for it, fantasy. I think of quite heavy, dark artwork. Does that make sense? Why use one word? Because she's 500. That's how I live my life. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm, no. Well, just because it's fantasy, it doesn't have to be dark and... Well, no, it doesn't. And that's exactly my point. It's... Windswept and... This book is not. This book is really, really light and airy and brightly coloured. Like and... wind. Like wind. And that's a surprise because I, in my head, when I think of fantasy i think much more painted darker colors blood red skies dragons fire reds browns kind of colors make sense sort of earthy this doesn't feel earthy it feels airy like wind like wind it's almost like they've planned it like that it's almost like they planned it like that yes 
uh, it's just it's a really it's a really nice introduction which i would highly recommend that anyone reads because it's it's just it's a nice read they're nice characters it's got some important issues that it's going to tackle in the the course of this uh, four issue series and i i just recommend it for people who are looking to go outside their comfort zone i gave it a magical 9 out of 10 in my review I said, James Tynion IV and Michael Dialenas have crafted a beautiful entry point into the world of Boom Studios' wind, introducing us to the heartwarming characters and the beginnings of an important cultural story. So I'm interested that you've given it a 9. Yes. Why Why would it need to make it a 10? If anything, although it's perfectly paced, not a huge amount happens because it's introducing you. It's not a heavy-handed introduction, but likewise, it uh, it's just a little quiet. It's a gentle breeze. It is a gentle breeze rather than a tornado. Um, but it's nice. It's a nice change. It's one of those things where I it it's not quite perfect, but it's not not perfect. If that makes sense. It's a nine. Let's just leave it's it a, nine. a nine. It's an absolute nine. It's a nine. It's light. It's gentle and breezy. So we've been watching a lot during lockdown, have we not? We've talked about this uh, in previous podcasts during lockdown. Lockpod. Lockpod. <laughs> Lockwatch. We've now finished Buffy. Lockwatch and snack. We're on the way to finishing Angel. Yes. I'm now five seasons through The Walking Dead. Five um, seasons through Bones. Three seasons through Arrow. Three seasons through... Uh, not three seasons through Flash. One season through Flash. Uh, once two seasons through the or- the orphan black the orphan black uh, it, there's a there's a lot that's been watched but a couple of things that I thought we'd just talk about that we've watched during this period you finally have seen John Wick one and two uh-huh. which are films that I always wanted to get you to the cinema to see but we've never seen any of them at the cinema I don't know why I've still not seen John Wick three so I'm looking forward to watching that this week I've seen one and two. I've now seen them twice. I'd only seen them once before I watched them with you. Um, And I love both of them because I think they're just great films. But I was curious to know what your thoughts were on these. I mean, there's not a lot to them. He's got a dog. Oh. He's got a car. Yes. And he's got some issues. That's about it, really. It's just a nice film to put on and not have to worry about a complicated plot. Yep. You're... From from memory, which is you would hope would be quite good considering I've known you for twelve years, uh, you're quite a fan of a of a action kung fu type movie, a sort of a a beat 'em up style. Let's just have some action for the sake of action type film. So did this appeal to that fan within you? Yes. I know this isn't a kung fu movie. This is more of a punch, kick, hit with anything and shoot kind of movie. But I presume it's along the same sort of lines. Yeah, I think so. It was very reminiscent of my childhood. I did watch a lot of, of the Kung All those films. times that you got taken out on, on the job uh, while, while your parents were hitmen. Is that what you were trying to say? No, what I was saying was it reminds me of watching the Kung Fu films as a child yeah. and the action adventures and all this, the Rambos and all those films of the days. It feels like a perfect vehicle for Keanu Reeves. He's the kind of actor that people like. He doesn't need to show a huge dramatic range because he's just a cold-faced killer. And he seems to be really good at that kind of fight choreography and the stunt work. Well, he's got all the Matrix under his belt, hasn't he? True, yeah. Of that wafting about in slow motion. Do you know, I actually think that he's possibly... A, this is possibly even better as a character. 
I don't know if you can. I mean, I mean, they're very different. You can't. It's not like you can really compare them. I mean, Lawrence Fishburne is in both franchises, but you know. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a good old star cast as well, though. It's amazing, isn't it? Uh, Who's the first one that springs to mind? Oh, Broyles from Fringe. Yes, same for me. Lance Reddick. You've got Batwoman in there. Ruby Rose in the second one as a mute assassin. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. You've got that man from American Gods. Yes. The manager. Yes. Thor. Not Thor. He's not Thor. He's Odin. Odin, yes. Odin. You've got to say it like that as well. Odin. 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 Oh, that's quite good. That was too much. So yeah, good good films. Good, nice... You struggled a little bit with the first one, just due to the death of the dog. Yeah, I didn't like that. I'm not... that. I wasn't down for that. It's tough, isn't it? I, no, I didn't like that. No, sir. It's very tough. Very, very tough. Yeah, I'm not I'm not good with that. Ever since I watched that Netflix documentary, Don't With Cats. You can say Don't Beep With Cats. Uh, it's not got the same ring to it, has it? Technically, if you want to remain PG-13, you are allowed one fuck. So that's our one. That's it. You've done it now. You've ruined yeah. it. You can't say any more. No. So it's back to don't bleep with cats. Yeah. Don't, I mean, that was oh, that was hard. I couldn't. After that, I'm like, oh, no, I'm not down for animal cruelty. You were down for animal cruelty before that? Oh, no, no, not at all. No, no. Choose your words carefully, no. young Padawan. Do you know what it is? I've been watching a lot of Yorkshire Vet. Yes, you have. I do love a vet programme. So I feel more... Who's a vet? <laughs> She's a vet. She's a ghost hunter, actually. Which has been your favourite of the two, John Wick, so far? One or two? One I feel like is very self-contained because they obviously weren't sure whether it would be a success and make a franchise. Whereas two, I feel like opens up the whole world of the Continental Hotel and the mechanisms behind the the secret society. I think it's the Intercontinental Hotel. Yes, it is. Thank you very much. Because it's Intercontinental. Yes. I don't have a favourite. I like them both. I like the... I thought you might say that, actually. I just like the, the stuff. Not the stuff. What am I trying to... What's the words? Wait, they'll come to me. I like the history and yeah. the... Secret society-ness? Yeah, I like that. The mystery. The, not the mystery. What's the word? Mytho- it's a mystery. Mytholo- mythology? Yeah. Of this sort of ancient gang of assassins okay. in posh hotels. So I quite like that and the sort of the culture and all that. Kind the of idea that they can't... They're not supposed to be violent towards each other whilst they're in the hotel or that's a safe space and all yeah. the... Yeah. The gold coins and the the tattooed ladies in the call centre. Yeah, I quite like all that. I was like, oh, I quite like this. This is, you know. It's very, very clever. And I'm sure somebody will tell me off for making this comparison. But to me, almost... I'm going to wait and see what you're going to say. You know what I'm going to say. It's, uh, in, in a way, to me, it's the kind of concept, high concept movie that you don't expect, like Underworld. That's not what I thought you were going oh, to say. Oh, what did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to take it to a wanted place. Ah, uh, the the Angelina Jolie film. The Secret Society of Assassins. Yeah, no, I didn't think of that at all. That's another good film. I do like The Wanted. The band? Not the, oh, no, no, no. You, you like Wanted, the wanted. film. Wanted. I thought it was The Wanted. Don't think so. So no? I'm going to have to look this up. You look that up. No, the reason I, the reason I say Underworld is because uh, it... That's the kind of film that you could easily misjudge as a as a mindless kind of popcorn action horror film. But as much as it is that in one respect, when you then think about that whole franchise, or even some of the history that's in that first film, 
before they had produced the film and not even as a huge plot point within it, you had hundreds of years of history and they knew characters from hundreds of years ago. And that's where the third film came from, where, you know, the rise of the Lycans film, where they went back and they explored the history. And that's that kind of film that you wouldn't necessarily expect to have like a huge production Bible with years and years and years worth of potential storytelling and ideas that you can dredge up to get to where you are now. And I think that John Wick does something similar in that it could just be a guy who goes around and kills people because he's an assassin, but actually they've really made it a a well-rounded world that you can engage with and watch and enjoy as a viewer, I think. Yes. Oh, this is a proper film class today. I'm enjoying this. Oh, I'm glad somebody is. <laughs> then I wanted to just talk about a uh, TV series, which would be the um, the Umbrella Academy, which we just finished last night. We watched the pilot when it first streamed and liked it, but then didn't like it enough to watch the whole thing. And it was just at the end of the list, 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 and we've now reached the end of the list. What's the other one? It's like the Umbrella Academy. Oh, um, I know what you mean. It got cancelled. The the school. We watched the pilot. We watched the pilot for both at the same time. Oh, I'm remembering now. What was that called? Um. Oh God. It's not the Umbrella. What was it? The Fedora. Deadly Class. Deadly Class. That was a great pilot. That got cancelled actually. Oh, I'm not watching the rest of it then. <laughs> Uh, we yeah, so we watched both, and we I think we enjoyed Deadly Class more, uh, but we enjoyed both, and then didn't end up watching any more because it was just the wrong time. I think there was probably too much that we were trying to watch at once. So, Umbrella Academy comes back in a month's time with season two on on Netflix, and I thought, okay, well that's fairly timely because people will probably be rewatching it, uh, getting ready for it, and here's us just finishing it. Again, your thoughts, please, Sir Boy of Wonder. Yeah, uh, thank you, madam. It was it was alright. It took a while to grab me. It, yeah, I found it a bit of a, a bit of a chore, but not really a chore. I liked it, but at the same time, I wanted something more from it. I felt like it was very, very slow for a ten episode season. It was very slow for a ten episode season. It only really, the only time where I finally thought at the end of an episode we need to put the next one on straight away, is when Vanya uh, slashed her sister's throat. But you, we still didn't put it on straight away? No, we didn't. But that's the only time I felt like it. And then I did through the end of the season after that. But it took to that point for me to go, oh, okay, I'm I'm in. I like all the characters. Who's your favourite? Uh, Klaus? Klaus? Klaus. Uh, and I like the assassins. I like those two. I, I, every time it's Mary J. Blige. It's Mary J. Blige. Who knew? No more drama. No more drama. No more pain. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I know who my favourite character is. My oh, favourite character uh, is um, that that lady whose name I cannot remember. I mean, obviously, I remember her real name. Her real name is Addison Montgomery. <laughs> That's not her real name. <laughs> no. That's quite scary. What? That I would say that that was her real name. Yeah. So you would know her in this show as the handler. So that would be the lovely, wonderful Kate Walsh from Grey's Anatomy and Private Practice. She's not bad in this. This is a role that she's annoyed me the least. I love Kate Walsh. I would say that Kate Walsh is one of my favourite actresses on TV. But you do love a bizarre female lead 
series. Thanks. Well, I'm not. Even, we'll go to a Ghost Whisperer place because I, I just don't understand any of it. <laughs> That's more of a concept thing than the execution. That's like a mum show. That is a mum show. My yeah. mum did watch that show. She I know. Loved it. You I got know. you stole the DVDs from her. I know. No, oh, she... can I borrow this, please? She bought that for me for Christmas. Yeah, whatever. Um, that's more of a concept thing. It's it's. I find. Ev- Don't try and give me that. It's a concept thing. Rubbish. She solves crimes in a bloody antique shop. No, what I was going to say was. It's like murder. She wrote for ghosts. Exactly, and you love Murder, She Wrote. Well, Edgar is <laughs> a legend, isn't she? Wonderful. We're now having a spat in a podcast. Well done. No, I was just going to say that I feel like if you watch too much heavy stuff, you need to balance it out with something that's basically shit but easy viewing, and that's what that is. That's why I watch Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> Murder, She Wrote isn't shit, though. It's enjoyable. Why are you scowling at me? You love Murder, She Wrote. I know, but every time I watch it, you're like, oh, what's this rubbish? Well, it's the same thing every time, isn't it? Where else have you watched Bones, isn't it? <laughs> Alright, alright. Back to the Umbrella Academy. Oh look, there's a skeleton. I like the overall story. I've never read an Umbrella Academy comic book, so I'm now kind of intrigued to see what reading it would be like and how it plays on page compared to how it plays on screen. Well, you've read an X-Men comic book, so... So this is... <laughs> you struggled with this, that it's it feels very much like the story of Jean Grey, to some respect. We've got mutants, we've got a super mutant who then destroys the world... Really good special effects for that, I would like to add. I was impressed by the level of special effects in blowing up the moon and apocalypsizing the Earth. I was a little bit disappointed at the end, though. Okay, what and what disappointed you about the ending? Because I just... I have this thing with time travel. It drives me mad. Okay. If we then go back and redo Series 1 again. They were kids, weren't they, at the end? Yeah. Okay, because then I don't believe that they are kids when we pick up in Season 2. Because I just feel a bit, you know, I mean, watch one of those like episodes, and they're stuck in a time loop. Yes, I'm just like, oh god, I can't do it. Well, Doom Patrol, which we're about to talk about in a minute, did do something vaguely similar in episode two hundred two. Time Patrol. Mm, not really. <laughs> I'm looking forward to you explaining your way out of that one. Um, that was only one loop. That wasn't an infinite loop. So, what was your highlight of season one of the Umbrella Academy? I don't really have a highlight. Do you feel like it's left you anticipating season two? Mm, a little bit. I would only probably say a little bit as well. And that's not because I've not enjoyed it or not liked it. It's just been okay for me. It's been okay and at the end mildly entertaining. So I'm intrigued to see more. But again, don't feel like I'm going to end up rushing to watch more. Yeah, it'll probably take us another year to go back to it. <laughs> Probably. I haven't asked Netflix for a screener, but you never know. You never know. They're not going to give us one now. (laughs) After I've listened to this. Anything else you'd like to say about the Umbrella Academy? I just thought we'd do a light touch on that one because it's coming back soon. No, I think we've said everything. I mean, it's all right. Yeah. If you've watched this, uh, I'd be intrigued to know what you think about it out there. So get in touch and and let me know. You can find us in the usual places on social media at Get Your Comic Con on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as at Neil Vag, and you can find Martin on social media as at Boy Wonder nineteen eighty nine. But as he always stipulates and is making a face at me about right now, he does predominantly talk about nursing because that is his day job and he does have a serious side. So it might not be very interesting to follow him, but do it anyway. 
Always good to educate the kids about pain. I do tweet about other things other than pain, sometimes. Okay. So, last on the review list this week. The return of what may be one of your favourite TV shows of all time. Who knew? Doom Patrol, season two. It's all in your head. It's all in your head. And we've used up our F-bomb. Yes, which is difficult because uh, Robot Man does swear, I believe, what was it? Seven, 70 72 odd, times 70 or something odd. like that in the first three episodes. So Doom Patrol is back for season two. Uh, season one was 15 episodes. Season two is currently only running for nine. It was supposed to be running for ten, but they've not been able to complete production on the finale. The first three episodes are already available now. Uh, they all dropped at the same time. And the remaining um, five no, six episodes. <laughs> Can't count. Uh, will be airing weekly. You can you have options this time around, Super Friends. You can now watch Doom Patrol uh, simultaneously. Uh, it's dropping episodes simultaneously between DC Universe and HBO Max. Season 2 doesn't have a UK air date as yet. You can um, watch the entire season online on Stars Play, which is available through Amazon Prime and Apple TV. Season 1 is, I don't think, out yet. I should have checked this before we started recording. But you can, at the very least, pre-order on DVD and Blu-ray from the UK Warner Brothers shop now for home video release. Are you enjoying having Doom Patrol back on the air? Yes. What has been your highlight of these first three episodes so far? We can. Oh, uh, I just want to stipulate. Um, we have seen uh, episodes one to four, but we can't actually... By the time I've released this podcast, we're still not able to talk about episode four. So please do not talk about episode four, Sex Patrol. It's awesome. Just talk about episodes one to three. What's been your highlight of those three episodes so far? So you've got uh, oh Fun Size Patrol. I'm oh, sorry, I just thought I'd remind you. Fun Size Patrol, Time Patrol... And Pain Patrol. Oh God, highlights all of it. I think it's just nuts, and I just love it. You were so excited for it to be back. I was. I mean, to be fair, I'm excited to have it back as well. I I really enjoy the show, and for me, I, I it's not. I don't ever think, "Ooh yeah, Doom Patrol." But when I watch it, I'm always like, "Ooh yeah, Doom Patrol." Oh, I'm always like, "Ooh yeah, Doom Patrol." <laughs> All the time. All the time. If anybody in America is listening, uh, Martin would really love the blanket that you can buy as a member of DC Universe. Oh, I'd love that blanket. Even though I'm melting in this ungodly weather, I would still wear it. I know. We need to get the Doom Patrol merchandise. DC, if you're listening, DC Fandom would be a great time to sell some of that US exclusive merchandise to the world. Uh, I'm saving up for it. Please, thank you. Or just, or just send it to us. <laughs> Anyway, uh, back to your highlights from Doom Patrol Season 2, Episodes 1, 2 and 3. Uh, all of it. Um, yeah. So, episode 1 was alright. It was a good start. Do you, did you get the impression, and this was my impression from Episode 1, although, so HBO Max has only been around for sort of four, six weeks, and uh, Season 1 was already available on there and has been on DVD and Blu-ray in America for ages, but did you get the impression that Episode 1 slightly simplified everything for a wider audience to jump in you're going to say no maybe I didn't really see it like that I mean there was a bit of exposition going on there um, yes but then they had a lot of stuff to clean up from the end of series one which they did really well in that one episode actually which they did really well and there was a nice there was a nice level of sort of angst and character development as well we've pulled in a lot 
of stuff from season one in these three episodes. Well, and in these three episodes. <laughs> Nearly started talking about episode four. Because uh, you, you, there's a lot. I mean, Danny's back. Dorothy's there. Uh, what else comes into it? I mean, there's plenty of... Cyborgs from... there with all these drama-rama. Yeah. I mean, there's stuff from the comics as well, which you know about far more than I do. So, I mean, Candlestick Man Maker. Candle, oh, God, yeah. I mean, the Dorothy's... Candle Maker and stuff. Dorothy's Can... friends. What's he called? Candle Maker. Candlemaker, yeah. Like, he's, I mean, he's like, so man? creepy as well, and he's so close to the comic books because in the comics he's this like weird, melty candelabra thing. It's pure Grant Morrison. Yeah, it's great, and I really that's what I really loved about these first three and fourth episodes, <laughs> is that they've taken stories directly from the comics. Mm. They're slightly different to fit the continuity. Yeah, but the the true essence of them is still there. I had forgotten, so we try, We started a rewatch of season one and got, what, three episodes in when we suddenly got access to season two, so that rewatch went out the window. So I had forgotten that they were tiny. Yes, because all the stuff at the end where Danny turns into a brick. Well, that was no, the fight with Mr. Nobody, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and the giant the cockroach corporate. snog thing. Um, so I'd forgotten that, but I really, I liked that. I loved the level of set design that went into... The table in uh, Cliff's room that they were living on. That was insane, just for one episode. Exactly. And it was a weird mix of like real practical life size stuff and then overblown mini props. So, like a real park bench, but surrounded by fake trees and fake grass with fake people. Really well done. And then the inside of the shops were almost like real shops. It was like a real street. Very, very cool. Very well done. And I loved all the stuff with. Um... God, what's his name? Negative Man. Yep. What's his name? Larry. Larry. Making the tiny, tiny breakfast. Yeah. So Larry had obviously been crafting things for them. So it made little like dressing tables and made them the little tents that they're all living in. And I presume at some I guess he didn't need to make them tiny clothes because they were in what they were wearing in the last one. But making tiny pancakes and stuff. Tiny yeah. pancakes. Like those little videos you watch on YouTube. With the the like YouTubes. Nice, the YouTubes. And the twits. And the twits. And they make like a tiny meal for a hamster. <laughs> tiny right, yeah. It was very cool. And I, who, ooh, um, I was going to ask you a question, but I should probably wait till we've talked about the three episodes. Okay, so. Uh, oh, yeah, episode one, loved it. Episode ep- two. Episode two. Loved it. <laughs> Time Patrol. Time Patrol, loved it. Again, excellent prop work, costume design. Uh, Doctor Time looked immense. That was so cool. It was almost like the little clock man from uh, Beauty and the Beast, but real. It was, it was just such a good practical effect. Yes, real and with a little bit of 70s sass. Yes, a good disco scene. Well, it made me think of Starfire. Yeah, it was very Starfire in a way, I suppose, yeah. With the with the music and the disco. And um, I'm trying to think what else. That's, that was an interesting episode for uh, Willoughby Kipling. That's the character I was trying to think of the name of who came back in the first episode. Um, timey-wiminess all right so timey-wiminess is an issue for you but there's some timey-wiminess in this particular episode yeah but it was only one little flick round and it was a very different outcome it's like that episode of Buffy where she gives the mummy hand about 25 times true I'm like this is too much I get the idea she's on a time loop let's move on (laughs) or when the Enterprise is constantly being destroyed and someone has to stop it from happening yeah oh I can't bear it Episode three. Uh, again, loved it. So it brought in Red Jack. Yes, who, again, 
costume design and makeup design was intense. I, uh, I had a conversation with somebody on Twitter before it started. They said they were really disappointed about the fact that uh, season one was 15 episodes and this one was only going to be what we thought at the time was 10, but now going to be nine. And I kind of pointed out from my perspective that I thought that maybe they were making less episodes, firstly to be a little bit more concise, which I think is the only complaint that some people had about season one was that actually maybe 15 episodes was a little bit too long. Um, but other than being maybe a bit more tight with the storytelling, that actually they were going to do something that would be bigger budget and that actually making less episodes might give them more money to do some great special effects. And Jesus, if I could use another F-bomb, I would. Uh, the special effects are amazing throughout all three episodes. Yeah, especially when they start to turn into the butterflies and the grown wings. Ah, the butterflies are amazing, and that was grim. Uh, The giant spider, no, 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 no. Uh, The rats, Cliff fighting with the rats. I mean, the the whole thing is just such a lush production. Yeah, that was really good. And again, like I said, so close to the comic storyline. So the whole Red Jack stuff mm. is almost yes. identical. Almost. Not quite. Slight switch around in characters. So they should have gone to rescue Rhea, who yep. isn't in the series, the TV series, mm. but she's on the original Doom Patrol lineup. Because Red Jack wants uh, a mate. Yep. So he... Was she one of the original Doom Patrol in the episode where we went to meet the old Doom Patrol in season one? Oh, I don't know. Actually, she may have been... I forget their names now. Yeah. Because we can get that far in the rewatch. Oh, we'll have to go back and watch it. Hmm. So anyway, so he takes her for a meet. Um, but then Cliff and Jane go to save her. There's some interesting stuff going on with Jane. A lot of stuff going on in the underground. We've seen some more Janes. Yeah, they've cast a lot more Janes. Which is good. We've met some new Janes that we've not met before. We have, but we can't talk about them. Oh yeah, that's episode four. Can't talk about that. Uh, promo photos for episode four are up now on the website if you'd like to be mildly spoiled as to what's going on. Yeah, but again, another very straight from the comic book story with a slight twist. Yep. What do you think about the addition of Dorothy? Uh, Abigail Shapiro, who is the actress that's playing her, flipping brilliant. I don't know if she's doing an impression of Timothy Dalton on purpose or not, but she weirdly sounds like a teenage girl version of him. She does, yeah. She, she yeah. some of the intonation in her voice is spot on to the way he talks, and it's it's really eerie at times. Yeah, I'll really like her. I think she's great. She's such an integral part to the comic story. And again, the makeup effects are are it's really insane. cool. Yeah, and it's so close to what she looks like in the comics. Yeah, I was worried in some of the early scenes in episode one that the mouth, the top lip, which is obviously built up to be more um, animalistic, would yeah, be too uh, too static and wouldn't particularly move or sort of impair the way that she talks but I don't think that it does yeah no it's really good which has been your favourite of these three probably the one we are not allowed to talk about <laughs> so when I say which has been your favourite of the three you say episode four secret fourth option oh sorry uh, episode three pain patrol okay or maybe a bit of two as well Two and three. There was a lot that went on with Cyborg in episode three, and I'm really interested to see where that goes. Uh, I, I wasn't, again, quite sure how to take some of the stuff about... Um, like I felt really bad for him when he went to the um, the like the group therapy session, and they were trying to ostracise him because of recording devices. And he's like, my entire body is basically a recording device. Uh, I didn't realise he could turn it off. 
for a start. Uh, but I felt really bad for him in all that. And it's nice that he's trying to make a real human connection. And interesting with the character that he's connecting with, that being a gender-flipped character from the comic books, that's going to go a very specific way by the end of this season, which is going to be really interesting to see, I think. Yeah. Mm. Anything that you've not been so keen on in these three episodes so far? No. Not in the slightest. What are you excited to see more of? Everything, oh, really. going to say everything. Yeah, Why did everything. I ask that question? Well, I think they've started to seed little bits here and there. I'm like, oh, that's going to be exciting to we see. We seem to be... Ex- so where, where the first season explored the faults that they see in themselves, I feel like this is now exploring their families. So like with Rita, we haven't seen anything in these three episodes because it's in episode four. Yes. Uh, Larry, <laughs> Larry uh, went... Uh, you know, interacts with his own kids and you get to see some more flashbacks of Matt Bomer as Larry with his son, which is really harsh. He was a he let's let's again, I'd F bomb if I could, but I can't, so I'll have to say he was a bit of a dick to his to his son. I suppose there's that a comment on the Times though, when there's the lifestyle that he leads as a military yeah. man and the persona that he has closeted. To give, closeted military man in the fifties. I mean. uh, yeah, so there's 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 family all over the place. I'm only really now putting all the connections together. Obviously you've got Chief and Dorothy, you've got Larry and his son and where that leads to, Cliff going to visit his daughter mm. and finally confronting her and saying, I'm your dad in the most Cliff way possible, uh, with a million and one F bombs. Jane, I mean, her family are the underground. And but then she's realising that her family is actually the Doom Patrol. Yes. And the underground don't like that. And with Rita, we haven't explored that yet. Yeah. Or Watch. maybe we have, and it's in episode four. Watch this space. Yeah. Gentle viewers. Episode four, Sex Patrol, airing on Thursday on DC Universe and HBO Max. So yeah, so I'm excited for this series. I'm excited to see more of Dorothy and the Candlestick Man, the mm. Candlemaker. Yes. And the Wishes. Because in the comics he does get free. Less of Hector the Spider? I think he was called Hector. I can't remember. Henry? Henry the Spider. Whatever he is, I don't like it. Yeah, I can't remember. I don't remember him being in the comics, actually. You said that to me in the first episode. I don't remember there being a spider. Yeah, I would remember that. But then, to be fair, it's, it's kind of hard to you... remember the comics because they're so all over the place. Yeah, and you read the whole thing, basically back to back. I've got one volume left, oh. I think. Wow. Which I need to crack into. Anything else that you would like to say about Doom Patrol Season 2 so far? No, just that I'm looking forward to more things. So I want to see more of what's going to happen next. More of Dorothy. More. 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 More, more of this potential new body for Cliff. Hmm. Because he does yes. have a different body in the, the comics. But only briefly. Only brief. Well, it depends if they stick to that story or not. They probably won't. Uh, and just more other stuff. I'd like to see more of the ant farm, actually. Yeah. Maybe see more of the men from nowhere and bring all those crazy bits in. So highlight for me so far is anything with Rita and anything with Rita and Larry together because I think they're excellent. And I say that I don't ship Larry and Rita, which is a thing that people are arguing about on social media at the moment. You don't want them. Ship them. Ship them. Yes. Want to picture them as a romantic couple. Oh, is that, a, is that a new term the children are using? That term grows way back before even the days of Buffy. I've never heard of that term before. You've never heard of shipping? No. Oh. I mean, I've heard of shipping containers. Yes. So the the TV fandom... Uh, some If anybody out there knows when this first was coined as a phrase, do let me know. Uh, if you um, If you like a couple in a show, 
and you particularly want them to be together, even if they're not together or they are together, whatever, there is a romantic pairing in TV that you are a fan of, you ship them. Oh, I've never learned that. And that's when you start making up weird names like Spike and Buffy was Spuffy. Spuffy? Yeah, that's what it was referred to on the message boards. What would Rita and Larry be? Rowie. Lita? Lita? Rally? Rally? <laughs> uh, but apparently there are people out there that think that there's a bit of a romantic spark between them, which is ironic because quite a lot of the storyline is about his homosexuality. Um, but obviously there is a there is a nice little spark in their friendship, but it's just platonic. Um, it, I don't see it as romantic whatsoever. It's like a close brother and sister sort of situation. They share a tortured past. They absolutely do, and I... Uh, I thoroughly enjoy seeing the two of them on screen together. I think some of the stuff that happens between them in three is really touching, and then some of the stuff we can't talk about in four is just magical to watch. Well, I mean, that's touching as well, but for different reasons. (laughs) Don't go there. Do not go there. We can't talk about it. Uh, If you were to score episodes one to three of Doom Patrol season two, how would you score them? I'm going to give them a solid nine. (laughs) Why a nine, can I ask, and not a ten? Um, just because I don't want to be too generous too soon. I'm saving that ten for something quite spectacular. Oh, right, okay. Uh, I think I've scored pretty much everything an eight out of ten so far. Consistent. Consistent, excellent Doom Patrol. Great to have it back. Thank you to Warner Brothers for letting us uh, watch these early so we get our reviews out when we need them to. We are very privileged and we are very happy about it and we are very, very grateful thanking you. All we need now is a towel or a blanket. What was the blanket? It's a blanket. It's a blanket. You can get a cap. You can get a t-shirt. There's Ooh, hundreds I can do of with items. A cap as well. Um, <laughs> that about wraps things up for episode thirty-eight of the Get Your Comic Con podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. As always, if you have any questions or comments or anything that you would like to suggest to us for future shows, you can get in touch. You can always drop me an email, which would be neil at getyourcomiccon.co.uk. If people still use email these days. Uh, otherwise, find me on social media at Neil Vag, or you can find us as a collective on social media at Get Your Comic Con. We are on all the major platforms, as expected. As always, we don't really know what we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks because things are still all a little bit up in the air. We were expecting to be able to go back to the cinema in the next couple of weeks, but we found out today that Cineworld are delaying reopening until the 31st of July, so we're still looking at a month or so till we're going to be back in the cinema, sadly. So Tenet and all those films that we were looking forward to are moving further and further away at the moment as COVID continues to be an issue. But we'll be... Oh, Warrior Nun starts this week on Netflix, which I'm quite looking forward to watching. What was the the pun? What was it? We can't do the pun from the trailer because I've used the one F-bomb. It was F's given, none. Oh, that was it. I like that, yeah. Bit in a trailer voice, F's given... None. Really excited about that. It's yeah. written by uh, by Simon Barry, who is uh, the creator of the sci-fi series Continuum, which I am a big fan of. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with this Buffy-esque concept of um, of a warrior nun. It's adapted from an anime series as well. Do you know, I've got a Books. horrible feeling it's going to be awful, but I'm still going to love it. It has been renewed for a second season today. Okay. Well, uh, I was concerned because I asked Netflix about screeners and they said they weren't going to be available for it. It's not being shown to the press beforehand, but today the news is that it's been renewed for a second season. So um, it, it seems like there there is some confidence within Netflix that it's going to do quite well. Oh, that's good then. Yeah. Other than that, we will do what we always do and we will make it up as we go along. That's what I do every day. Until now. <laughs> Until next, that's called adulting. Until next time, uh, I have been Neil. Uh, Thank you to my boy Wonder for joining me and listen to me.
say things in 500 words rather than five and cut him off whenever I ask him a question. You could just say things like, it was good. I feel like that would be less interesting for the listeners. I really enjoyed the colours. But until next time, bye! Bye.